Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glutton. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. My guest today is Justin Garcia, better known as Master Chim. He is a professional mixed martial artist, has an MMA school in the Bronx called The Jungle Gym, host of The Warrior Way and The Pressure Project podcast. I've had the pleasure of training with him myself. You can find him at Master Chim on Instagram or at masterchim.com. Justin Garcia, welcome to the American Glutton podcast. I appreciate you inviting me on, my friend. My brother, thank you for being here. I am utterly fascinated by what you've been doing lately. First, I would love it. And, you know, listen, if there's if there's anything we say that you're like, get that out of there. I don't want to talk about that weakness. We can cut it out. But the story that you shared, and again, if it's not a good thing to talk about, we don't have to, but the story you shared about going on a drive and something happened that kind of, from from what I've seen, has utterly changed your life. All you need to ask, Ethan, is tell the Oklahoma story. Okay, that's <laughs> what I want to hear. I'm, I'm dancing around it a little bit. I'm not that guest, Ethan. You know that. <laughs> I know. I didn't think you were, but you never know. Sometimes I start to bring something up and people are like, what? Shut up. Well, I appreciate the concern. So let me get into it. So a couple of months ago, I had agreed to partake in a charity seminar for a good friend of ours, wife, who was going through a bout with cancer. And I was going to teach a blade grappling uh, block at this basically a a tactical training uh, conference called the Modern Warrior Conference. And it was all the way in Oklahoma. And I had the brilliant idea to drive from Pennsylvania, where I live. I figured I'd be able to see, you know, the country, some alone time, audiobooks, podcasts, and whatnot. And on my way there during the 20-hour ride, uh, for the first time in my life, I herniated a disc Ooh. in my lower back. So I got there. I was uh, pretty fatigued, you know, spent the night, woke up in the morning, and had a pain in my lower back I'd never experienced before in my life. Well, it was Saturday morning. I was presenting my teaching block on Sunday morning, so I had 24 hours to figure out what to do. I went to the Oklahoma Walmart. I bought just about every product they sell to alleviate back pain, including lidocaine patches, ibuprofen, uh, rubber balls, and massage guns. And I bought everything I possibly could. I had to, to be ready the next morning. Well, uh, I spent that whole first day working on it. I got some good sleep, woke up Sunday morning, warmed up, was able to teach my block uh, without any injury. But shortly thereafter, later on in the day, I was just as immobilized as I was the day before. Uh, fast forward now, I had to drive back. It was just a, a push, as, as much of a push as I've ever had in my adult life. I made it home, and I had this epiphany when I finally got home. You know, I pride myself on playing what I, you know, call the the warrior role, you know, in my family and my tribe. And I'm the person who has basically owed himself to put himself in between harm and the people I care about. And here I was, you know, former pro fighter, jujitsu black belt, you know, all of this different training that I've been put through my adult life. Here I am getting injured by a car ride. And you know, it was a moment of clarity that has, I, I admit, has eluded me 
uh, for years. You know, I last fought professionally, you know, 15 years ago. And since then, it's been business, it's been coaching, it's been all, doing all these different things that I've had so much success in. But one of the things that I was completely blinded to was the deficiencies that I was still maintaining. And it got to the point where my surpluses were now being leveraged by me uh, to not undo, disarm, or, or correct the deficiencies, but rather to mask them. So I had all of these surpluses, and it allowed me to just con construct a narrative that avoided me ever having to deal with the things that I needed to fix. And this car ride did for me what my own, you know, meditation over the last 15 years uh, failed to do. Just presented you with it. It said, hey, guess what? Here's this thing. We're going to throw this at you. Yeah, you know, it, it gets to the point where, you know, you ask yourself, okay, are you going to be honest with yourself? And, you know, I have a lot of uh, aspects to my personality, I think innately. And one of them I always joke is like the Goodfellas Joe Pesci complex that I had growing up in the Bronx and uh, always being shorter than everybody. I was the one, you know, white slash Puerto Rican kid in a, in a black neighborhood. And I, I, I developed this chip on my shoulder that I've learned to leverage productively, I think, as an adult. And these are one of the times where a sort of uh, a chip on the shoulder flare up, you know, serves me well because it got to the point where it's like, OK, am I just going to pretend this didn't happen? Am I just going to fix my lower back? Is that going to be something that gets me out of other things now? Like, yeah, I'd go. But, you know, my back is messed up. You know, I have a bad back. Like, started to identify myself by this injury. And I just wasn't going to have it. You know, I look at my four young kids and it's like, I'm going to be better for you. This is not the behavior you're going to model um, because you're a parent. You know, we could say everything we want, but it's really what we do that they're seeing, uh, that they're in installing and internalizing. And that's what you got to take seriously. So I just said, you know what? Enough of this. And, and I just got on my horse and started to go to work. And what was step one? I mean, I remember I've been following this journey very closely but i want i i want everybody to understand this evolution because it's it's a it's a it's a great evolution you know i i say i was fortunate in that the injury that i had if anybody's ever had like a lower back injury or specifically maybe a herniated disc injury one of the things and again this is my first time ever injuring my lower back one of the things that you have to do is move. You can't stay seated because the pain just starts to uh, emanate from your lower back. It winds up in your fingertips and your toes eventually if you stay in one place. So just by the default of my injury, I had to get up and I had to walk around. About two days into what I deemed my recovery from this, it's sort of like my mindset was I got to get rid of this injury so I could get on the horse and, and, and started taking care of business. Well, two days in, I realized that the only thing that alleviated my lower back was movement. And I decided to buy a Fitbit. And I said, you know what? Every ladder has its metrics. This is the ladder I'm on right now. I need to keep sort of get it out of the abstract. You know, this whole I'm, I'm working on my lower back. What does that mean? Where, where are the numbers? Where are the metrics? How do I quantify it? So I'm seeing the actual rungs on the ladder I'm on. So I got a Fitbit and I started counting the number of steps um, that I was taking a day, you know, minimum 10,000. Now, mind you, I am a power lifter, a MMA fighter, a like I, I've competed in bodybuilding. I played football in college. For me to now reduce myself, or that was my relationship with it at the time, to say I'm going to count my steps like some sort of, you know, the, uh, what is it, the silver sneakers programs in, in the gyms? Right, like it's you're like, going to do laps of the mall or something. You know, and this is where I was, but I said, you know what? It's, it's, it's weakness. I define weakness as somebody who refuses to get on a ladder. The rung you're on is irrelevant. 
And this is where I was. This is where I needed to be. And I had to get the metrics. I had to do the work. So sure enough, I started with the 10,000 steps a day. I decided to uh, also go on a keto diet. And, you know, like like most adult men uh, these days, I've tried just about every eating plan and eating style uh, that there is. Keto has always been convenient for me. My wife is super supportive, you know, was uh, making food for me and, and helping me and stays, you know, adhering to that. But I just started counting my steps. That's the only thing I could do in the beginning. Uh, along with the keto, I uh, started dropping the weight. And as I started, my, my lower back started healing itself. I started dropping weight, therefore becoming more mobile. So I was constantly able to do more. And because I was quantifying the whole process, I was able to actually see, okay, like for example, okay, instead of 10,000, I'm going to do 11,000 from now on, you know, as, as an example. But everything that I was doing was quantified and I had a strong enough relationship that I said, okay, I'm not feeling the pressure I was when I was doing this before, need to up the ante a little bit. And that is what has led me now. I mean, I think it's been uh, not even three months and I'm down 50 pounds. I just finished a nine day fast, which, you know, Somebody had asked me on social media, you know, what made you do the nine day fast? And my real honest answer was it was next, you know, like what, what else is next? It's, it's like it was the thing to do at that point. Right. Um, mutual friend of ours, Tuan Tom, had uh, contacted me and he said, I'm thinking about doing a nine day fast. And immediately I said, well, I'm going to do it with you. Because uh, it just seemed like the thing to do. It was almost like somebody had him call me to let me know what I was doing as well. And that's how I leveraged it. Uh, and, and just finished that a few days ago. Uh, first time I'd ever gone over 40 hours in a fast. Um, and it was a, a completely just powerful experience, you know, and it, my mindset now is just on to the next one. I just, it was in the pool a little while ago, just broke my, um, my personal record for a one set swim. I had done 15 minutes in a row of the breaststroke, uh, yesterday that broke my record. I tried today to see where I can max out at Got 30 minutes. Uh, all of this is in preparation for a triathlon I committed to for next June. Um, I'm just on, I'm on the horse. You know, I was a professional fighter 15 years ago and I forgot, you know, the relationship that I had with my body back then and all the power it gave me because I had developed, you know, through maturity, the different, you know, avenues of success. We become capable in a lot of different ways to the point where sometimes we forget, you know, what got us there. And I'm at the mindset now, I'm 45 years old. It's not about being successful. It's about being powerful and being balanced. So I realized that I ignored my, my physiology, my physicality for so long. And, uh, and, and I've corrected that. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. I think the really fascinating thing for, for me watching you also is I know how important strength is to you. And I mean, and I'm not, I'm not simply saying in literal terms, but also in literal terms, watching you do powerlifting. You, you, I've trained with you. You're an unbelievably strong guy. And so I can't imagine knowing like if, some, if somebody my size comes up to attack you, I know you're just going to pick me up and throw me or smash me on the ground and choke me out or something like this. So to have something like a car ride do that much damage to you has got to be crazy. And to watch you kind of create strength in these other ways, like to me, it's, it's utterly fascinating because I would go like, 
for a power lifter, a nine day fast has got to be scary because of the idea of losing strength or an extreme diet, losing 50 pounds in a couple of months, in a few months. The idea of loss of strength could be terrifying, but I only see that you're getting stronger doing this. Right. So I think at the heart of it, it has to do with how one builds his or her identity. If I am the guy, like I remember I had a, a long beard. I don't know if you're, have you ever seen me when I had a really, really long beard? Oh yeah. So, you know, one day I, I shaved it and I, I went down to my, my goatee and uh, one of my students has asked me, you know, why would you shave that beard? And I looked at them a little put off by just that. that just thought it was a, a weird energy they had to question. They were so like upset about it emotionally. And I looked at them and I said, because I'm not a beard. <laughs> you know, so when I look at, you know, my strength, I'm not, you know, an elite power lifter. I've, I've squatted 682. I've benched 425 competitive numbers, you know, significant numbers, you know, in, 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 you know, in my pursuit of it. But as impressive as those numbers may be to the people that are around me, it is not who I am. I am much more than that. When it comes to, to balance, right, because I mentioned balance before, that's based on what's functional. So right, right now, you know, I'm always going to be as strong as I need to be. I'm always going to be as fast as I need to be. I'm mostly, you know, as, as long as it's within my power, of course, because one of the things that I got out of one of my um, social media friends, that's a thing, right? Social media friend. Yes. And, you know, and he, uh, when, when I said I was going on a fast, he said, aren't you worried about losing muscle? This was this was my concern watching it honestly day one and we and we haven't even really gotten into the fast yet which 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 I want to do I want to understand it because there's a lot of principles and dynamics that are completely foreign to me but that was exactly and I'm not your social media friend but I I imagine a bunch of people were having this thought right so where I was on it was number one I, I got a little extra right so like, right. I'm not somebody who is you know struggling to do a push-up and it's really you know similar to the beard example like I am not you know defining myself by people's standards or people's impression of me um, th there's something to be said for an individual who has built a significant enough relationship with himself that he doesn't create standards based on the the feedback he gets from other disconnected identities like that that somebody who I don't know in real life right but I know on through social media that he, I would take into consideration I would give him a seat at the table when deciding what my ladder of power my individual ladder of personal power and development is going to be you know it is it is a very uh, sort of slave-minded philosophy. It, it is the I am going to use other identity, uh, other identities, to help me define my own, as if I had to get other people's approval before I decided to do something that I already knew was going to be a positive thing. So as far as like losing muscle, I go by function. If I'm going to do a powerlifting meet. Okay, I got to get my numbers up because that's that's the mission that I'm on. But if I'm talking about maintaining a a functional, healthy, and not in that order at 45, you know, father of four, healthy maybe first, you know, and then functional in, in the different things that I do. If I'm going to maintain that, I'm not worried about you know maintaining a 400 pound bench press, which to this day has never done anything for me. Right? You know? No, so, I mean, and let's talk about that though, Master Chim, because. There's something really important in what you just said. And the reason I wouldn't 
say to you, like, hey, I see you're doing this fast. Don't you have these concerns? I can recognize that those concerns are only my concerns. They have nothing exactly right. to they have nothing to do with you at all. That's only what my concern is for myself that I could try to put on you, but that's kind of useless too. So I don't I didn't say a word. I just had that thought. And I think what you're saying is so important because in this day and age, I think the majority of us and and I I exclude myself from this and I certainly exclude you from this too are going around and creating ourselves based on what other people think of us. That's right. That's right. So I think right now, you know, this is the social media age. So we live in a in a like and share reality where so much of the status, the the currency of status that that we experience is based on approval from other people, even disconnected people, as if these people who for all intents and purposes, merely exist as a an image and a bunch of letters on a screen. We, we've never seen them. We've never uh, experienced like a conversation with them in real life. We've never shaken their hand. These people could be fake for all we know, right? These people now have, like I said, a seat at the table in designing a relationship with who an individual thinks they are. And the problem with that is these other identities are so disconnected to who you are as an individual and what you might be going through, what you aspire to, your past experiences and how they've molded you to who you are. They are disconnected from all of that, all the actual things about you that matter. What they see is the same thing on their screen. They see this superficial sort of a screenshot or snapshot of who you are, and they're making a, a assessments on that only because, to piggyback on what you just said, because their reaction is going to somehow validate them navigating their own day, their own identity, their own issues. You know, So it, it's really just, it, it's sort of like we have remote controls right, for our lives, and we're just handing these remotes out to different people, mo most of which these days we don't even know. Yeah. 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 And I love it. I love that a 405 bench press never did anything for you. It did nothing for me either. And I got to a point where I just went like, what am I doing this for? Oh, I'm trying for a moment in my life just to look good. So I'm just going to concentrate on that. Forget strength. I'm going to do hypertrophy and feel like a little bit like weird, like I'm a bodybuilder, but whatever. It's a moment in time and that's what I'm doing. That's right. That's right. See, I define, I mentioned this earlier, I define weakness as somebody who refuses to get on the ladder they know they're supposed to be on. You know, the, the guy who doesn't open the, the bill uh, because he knows he doesn't have the money to pay it. And he doesn't want the anxiety or emotion, you know, from looking at it. The guy who uh, never takes his shirt off because he's worried that somebody will make fun of him. Yeah. Uh, the guy that, you know, and, and I could go on and on. And the thing is, everybody has to understand that there is a ladder to remedy any weakness that you've ever experienced in your life, but you got to get on it. Now, on the opposite side of that, strength is anybody who is on the ladder. It is not an individual rung. You know, if I go into the gym right now and, and put on 135 pounds and bench that for 20, you know, to me, I'm warming up my shoulders. I'm warming up, you know, my elbows. 
if somebody is like if my 13 year old son got on the bench, you know, who, and he weighs 110 pounds and he banged out, you know, three reps of 135, I would be amazed. Now, the 135 pounds is an absolute value. It, it, it weighs what it weighs. But what it represents to the individual is completely different. And that's the criteria by which we should be building up our relationships with ourselves, our self-confidence. You know, he, should, he would be able to, in that instance, he would look at that and he should feel elated. And the fact that he's elated benching 135, me as an observer, I should be able to see that and take in the power of his achievement, never mind the 135. The 135 doesn't mean anything to me, but the the act of him overcoming that serves as a source of energy and inspiration that I can now take and help fuel my own journey. You know, so we have people now that when they observe other people making progress, they immediately sort of decode or interpret the achievement in their own terms, in their own lens, in their own references, their own currencies, and they discredit it. And over time, it just winds up being a thing that is is done for no other reason than to just validate their own identities. Right. You know, it's right. like, you know, you lift 405. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I would lift 405 too, but, you know, I, I, I have a job. All right. Like some other, it's like, listen, like, do what you want. It has nothing to do with me. But when you have people who are exposed to the input from disconnected people uh, and they, you have these disconnected identities, you know, just beating them down like online, you know, they, with the attacks from strangers. And I'm sure, you know, you, you know, you, you get people who say everything under the sun. You know, I've gotten everything up to it, including death threats through social media in my content. You know, you you develop a, a thick skin, but there's there's people who haven't developed that thick skin yet who are who are still just running a formula that is going to eventually uh, be their undoing because they're giving these people a seat at the table. You know, it's if you understand what you're doing is the right thing for you, um, only take power from other people where it's concerned. Yeah, you know? where it can actually and actively benefit you if it's useful. If you can get something out of it, I, I think it's all it's great. But if it's like, you know, the idea of just going on to criticize somebody, I'm like, that's just this person's just bored or, you know, that they, they, they certainly don't have enough going on in their life or they they think that their values are applicable to all people, which I just think is impossible, you know, right. I, I do pretty good with it. Like you can say anything you want about my body today and it doesn't, it doesn't affect me at all. Every now and again, somebody will say something to me in a way that they're, they have figured me out politically on social media. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm a non-participant. I think it's all a joke, but I can, they can, I can get got there. Like that can still get me to, to go like, I don't know how much clearer I can be. And no matter what is said, it's going to bum somebody out. And I don't really even care about that either. I'm just, this is my point of view. And people are like, no, I know it's really this. And I'm like, well, you're wrong, but it, it, that can get to me. Yeah. And it's, it's still, you know, you know, the first step to, uh, to fixing a problem is admitting it. Right. So you're admitting that that still gets to you and that that's a good thing. You know, um, they're just getting access that they don't deserve, you know, like yeah. 
my, my phrase is you don't get a seat at the table. That that's my, my mindset, my philosophy on it. And it's, it's, believe me, it has been a process because I remember 15 years ago, uh, being on like internet forums, especially in like the jujitsu MMA world. And it's like, where is this dude's school looking up the address of his school? Oh, MMA talk TV. Oh yeah. That was like, and nhbgear.com was another one. And it was always a, uh, a thing where I would get so butthurt. Um, and it's really because, you know, to, to use one of your explanations of it, I just didn't have enough going on. Right. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to find this guy and, and, and beat the shit out of him. Why? Because, because he said something and I think I could beat the shit out of him. And <laughs> I, I didn't like what he wrote on the underground forum on the computer. I'm getting him. Yeah. I think we all, but I think that's a part of the game is like, and I think that's part of the game of just modern society is like, we are to some degree a little bit bored, a little bit complacent. If anybody has the time to really go and spend a lot of time on social media, they've got it pretty good, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm sure somebody will be furious that I've posed it in those terms. Here's my take on that. So I think that no matter how, you know, as society we're choosing to spend our days, we still have a lot of the same drives, the same instincts, the same goals, uh, biologically, psychologically, hormonally. Um, and we're just now trying to pursue them in a way that has never been done in history. So we're trying to find out like, well, how do I, you know, how do I act like a, a good man if I am online, if I'm an IT guy who's on the internet, you know, 90% of my day, like, how do I still be respected by my wife and my friends and other men? Like there are, there are these, and that's obviously my biased example of, the, of my point, but <laughs> it is, you know, it, it's one of those things where they're trying to figure out how to be functional in what amounts to an aquarium. You know, the, the social media is, is a reality that was designed by other identities. It's not natural. Uh, it's not universal. It is very conditional. And people are trying to find a way to validate themselves and their identities uh, by, you know, using this tool. And this is the first time in history we've ever done this at this level. And people are just figuring it out. You know, my my 10 year old son doesn't get offended uh, as much as I did when I first started playing video games online. You know, where I'm like, you know, show, tell me where you live. Tell me where you live. I'm yeah. yelling into my, my Xbox microphone, you know, as a as a 30 something year old professional fighter, um, you know, and my 10 year old just ignores him. And it's like, did that guy just say that to you? You know, my my, my 10 year old Kai's. Yeah, you know, I don't care. You know, like it's, 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 it's fairly typical. It. I've heard worse. Yeah, you know, so it's it's a process, you know, and, and people are trying to figure it out. Uh, but I don't think the internet's going away. So all of us need to build a functional relationship with it, regardless. Yeah. All right. So you 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 get on keto, you lose some weight. Tom Kyer says, "I'm going to do a fast." You go, "I'm in." Please explain this to me, because of course I hear fast i hear a complete withholding of all nutrients i get scared my muscles hurt i feel weak i suddenly have a chill and feel like i'm gonna black out when i stand up like all these things hit me when i imagine doing something like that right so i mean my mindset is i hear all of that and i'm like game on you right. know so <laughs> that that's my reaction to it so when he mentioned it uh, a fast a long fast is something that 
I've been kicking around for a while now. But, you know, it was it was a physical rite of passage, a physical ritual. And I was really just not giving my relationship with my body that type of energy. So uh, I've basically been bullshitting for a long time, in other words. And um, when he said it, it was the perfect time is exactly what I needed to hear. And uh, I don't think that was his intention. He shared it with me. He's actually going to be doing one and starting a few days from now. Um, but I said, all right, game on. I uh, started researching it. And the more I researched it, the, the harder it sounded, which is exactly what I was interested in doing. Uh, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I want to be able to do this because I just want to show myself I can do it. Right. And other people have done it and they've come back from it. And, you know, I'm not going to do something stupid. I'm not going to be the guy that wants to climb up a skyscraper, you know, without equipment and stuff like, like that stuff I think is more an external validation. But this is one of these things that I think is universally seen as challenging. I wanted to get it done. And I started researching it. I, uh, you know, my, my, I mentioned it earlier, uh, every ladder has its metrics. So if I'm going to run this ladder, this uh, nine day fast, I need to find out what the metrics are, what's in my power, build these rungs, start climbing them. Part of that was educating myself on the different phases of what to expect. Uh, I wound up hiring a fasting expert, like a fasting consultant uh, for a session to uh, customize my approach to it a little bit more. It was uh, convenient for me that I was on keto. Uh, one of the big obstacles that you know I, I've heard that people in, encounter with fasting, long-term fasting, is that initial getting into ketosis while also not eating. So I had that squared away already. And it was just a, okay, I'm going to set a date. This is when I'm going to do it. I was fortunate my wife wanted to do it with me. So she went through it also. She wound up doing six days. And it was it was an experience. You know, one of the things that I did not, I think, encounter or not prepare for, uh, although I should have, it was probably like some sort of subconscious block was, I drink a lot of monster drinks. Right. And, Holy shit, the caffeine. Oh, monsters are life, Ethan. And I was I was going through it. So the one thing that I had the first three days was just a headache unlike I've experienced in, you know, a decade. And um, it was a it was a push. And I just sat there and, you know, I was watching all the you know, I was binge watching like all people on YouTube fasting long term. And, uh, you know, the tools that you got to use, sometimes they're not, they're not the strongest tools. But a lot of times I reduced I was reduced to watching a guy who's going through a fast and going, fuck that. I'm I'm stronger than him. Fuck that. I'm stronger than him. But, <laughs> right. And it was like, I, you know, making sure I just kept finding new people. Fuck that. I'm a, I'm at least as strong as she is. You know, and that was what I was telling myself, you know, and uh, by the fourth day, uh, there was no hunger. There was no caffeine headache. There was a little bit of cramping, which. Uh, I, I guess I'll get into that. One of the things that the fasting expert had told me, and I had also seen in a bunch of different documentaries and stuff prior to doing the fast, was that you don't want to do any electrolytes because if you're doing if you're doing electrolytes, you're you're basically giving your body a crutch, and you're not allowing it to initiate a process that will um, mobilize your nutrients resources in your body. So you don't want to do the electrolytes. Now, more contemporary people, people that seem to be uh, more, you know, gym culture, fitness culture, like when they're talking about long-term fasting, they're like, yeah, so make sure you have your electrolytes, you know, but the more old school purists are, are opposed to it. So including the, the fasting consultant that I had hired. So 
here I am four days in. I hadn't taken any electrolytes, just water. And it doesn't have to be distilled water or anything crazy like that. Just water and nothing else. Well, here's the thing. And, and I think that is something you're picking up on that I did not give enough attention to. Four days in, I started experiencing a cramping in my lower back and my, my QL spinal erectors right above um, my butt. Uh, that And it was a pain that came on like I, I wanted to run from it. I, I couldn't lay down. I couldn't sit. I tried using my massage gun and it felt like I was punching a bruise. Oof. I just couldn't do it. And I'm, I'm sitting there almost pacing in my, uh, my, my living room. And I'm like, well, like you, like, you gotta be kidding me. Like not now, like what the fuck, like what's going on? I, I didn't understand it. And prior to me hiring the fasting expert, watching a whole bunch of content, one of the things I did was I bought fasting electrolytes very early on in my preparation for this. So I had the package, you know, uh, the, the Amazon package that had it like on my dining room table. Um, and I said, you know what? I had a protocol for, you know, uh, like DEFCON 1, DEFCON 2. It's like as if anything gets bad, this is what I'm going to do. These are the steps. And uh, one of the steps was drink more water. One of the steps was go outside, like change scenery, you know, and just try to get some fresh air. One of them was um, take a hot bath. I had done all of that and the lower back thing wasn't going away. Well, step four was to get those electrolytes. So I took the, a packet of the electrolytes. I don't know the, the product name, but it was a sodium, potassium, magnesium. And literally within five to 10 minutes, my lower back pain was gone. Right. So it was all that. So throughout the rest of the fast, to look ahead for a moment, I had taken one to two packs of the electrolytes a day. Normal use on the packet on the, the package of the electrolytes is three a day. So one to two was able to tide me over. And these are specifically designed for taking while fasting. Well, not necessarily. They're designed to, to replenish and maintain electrolyte, electrolyte stores, but this particular product was recommended by a bunch of fasting experts. Okay, got so, it. You know, so it was like, this fits the bill. So in hindsight now, and this is only my speculation, although I feel like I can talk a little shit now that I did a nine-day fast, to be honest. Yeah. It's, you know, one of the things that was never made clear to me was should I, if I was not going to use electrolytes, only drink distilled water? Because artisanal, you know, artesian well water, you know, Fiji water, these things all have minerals in them. Right. So was I already taking electrolytes, thereby, you know, uh, preventing that process? They told me not to take electrolytes, you know, fr from coming on. So I, I don't know if that was the case. I will say the next time that I do a fast, and I will do another one, you know, this will be another thing. Number one, I'm going to get off on caffeine before I started, you know, but uh, with the the uh, electrolytes, I am going to make sure I'm drew, uh, doing distilled water and I'm going to give it a go, you know, see if, if that changes the experience. Yeah. I mean, listen, honestly, I can't wait. How long, by the way, do you wait between fasts? I don't know. Uh, I'm just going by when I could even stomach the idea of doing another one. You know, yeah. I'm going to listen to my energy. <laughs> I am thankful that you're doing this because I feel like by the time you've done it a few times, I'll be ready to do mine and you'll have figured out all these kinks. And I'll just ask you, like, <laughs> what happens when you, like, is it possible that you switch to distilled water and you strip your body so thoroughly of, of minerals that you're like having cramps on day one? And it's like, this was a bad idea. And Fiji suddenly is acting like a sports drink. You know what I mean? 
Right, um, right. I don't. I have no. I have no idea. Uh, but I think, I think if you're looking for a process where some you know chemical reaction happens and and it's only happens when you don't place any substances in the body at all outside of H2O all those waters you're right they all have a mineral content right right you know and I think go go ahead what what I want to know what is what are you looking for when you do a fast because I know I, I, I feel like there's not a whole lot that I could put in front of you and go, this is going to be really, really hard and you wouldn't be able to do it. Like you're a guy that I feel like I could count on to get something done that's really, really hard. It can't have been just about this is going to suck. This is going to be hard. Therefore, it's for me. Well, my co- one of my core principles is, and you've heard me say this, you know, a million times, pressure to power. Yeah. I want to be powerful. I don't want to be successful. I want to be powerful. Now, I think success, you know, in, in my framework and paradigm, success is a subset of power. And it's, I look at power as the development of anything that I'm capable of developing. And I have never known a process that has given me that reward that wasn't, you know, riddled with stress, with pressure. And I look at these things as that. I remember way back when, when I decided to fight uh, in MMA. And when I fought 2005, the first time, you know, it was in a, it was in a boxing ring, number one. And I had already had a school. I had uh, the jungle gym in the Bronx and I had a, a maybe, I don't know, a hundred students at that time. And I decided to fight. And the reason I decided to fight was because I didn't want to fight which is, which is kind of counterintuitive, but you know, it started dawning on me. It's like, Oh man, maybe you shouldn't fight. You're kind of paying your bills, you know, by, uh, by running this school. Let's say, you know, you, you get in there and you get knocked out. And then now everybody that's helping to pay your rent, everybody that looks at you as a mentor, you know, is like, Oh, this guy's actually a bum. Like these are the things that were going through my head. And again, maybe it's my temperament, the way that I'm designed my my upbringing, whatever it is, but it's like, now I have to do it. Right. You know, because now I won't be able to sleep at night because I'll feel like a punk that I ran from this pressure. And if I like I could narrate the the story of my adult life by that process just recurring in my life. So it's uh, it, it's really that's how I look at it. I know now, you know, 45 years old with, with a lot of experience behind running this this philosophy you know, I gain something from every single challenge that I take on. And I don't come out on the other side of all of them, by the way. Like there are plenty of things that put me back in my place and 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 humble me. And and I take the power from that experience like anything else, you know, but I'm always on the ladder. And I think that's the point. And are there physical changes that you're looking to accomplish in the fast? Not not having nothing to do with like weight loss because you, you're achieving that doing keto. So right. w- what's happening physiologically that you're looking for? Are there, are there changes in mental clarity or acuity or just a physical awarenesses that you, that you locked on and went like, Oh, this is interesting. Well, no, like anybody, I guess you try to look at your own experience as objectively as possible, but there's limitations, right? So, I'm sitting there in the fast on maybe like, let's say like it's day six or day seven. And I'm like, you know, I'm not hungry. I don't have a headache. My energy, uh, my energy was always like a six or a seven, but it was 
at that point it was steady. You know, I'm usually at a nine or a 10. Like I'm a guy that's always getting fired up and, you know, power, power, power. Like that, that's my personality. Yeah. Uh, so I was like six or seven and steady. And I'm sitting there as the, you know, as the, the fast is going on. And, and I'm like, is this the clarity I'm supposed to get? Is this the, and I just saw it as an absence of symptoms that I thought I was supposed to have, you know? So I think the, 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 the benefit of it was I got to the point where it's like, okay, I actually don't need food for nine days, you know, which is so counterintuitive to people, despite how many times, you know, you see other people do it, you've heard about it, it's been done throughout history. When you actually go, you know, I'm a 240 pound guy when I'm starting this, 243 when I first started the fast. To be at day seven, day eight, and day nine and not have eaten is it doesn't make any sense. You build a, you see it for real for the first time when you've gone through it. And there is a, a level of confidence and I would say a deepening in the relationship with your own body that comes from that, you know, that, so if there was any clarity, it was in that, but this sort of, you know, elevated insight and clarity, like, you know, people get real hippie with it real, real fast, you know? And, and I, I won't say that, you know, I'm not, not taking away from their experience, but for me, it was, it was like, holy shit, I haven't eaten in nine days and I feel great. That's awesome. You right. know, like that's what it was. Right. It's almost an affirmation. It's something really hard that seems impossible that you do. And when you get there, you're like, oh, the world d- didn't kill me. That's right. That's right. I remember on day nine, I went to uh, go uh, to coach my guys. And it happened to fall on a Sunday. And every Sunday I coach you know, my, my fighters. I told my wife I was just going to coach. It's a regular thing for me on Sundays. But when I went there, I knew I was going to train. Uh, it was the last day of the fast. And I said, you know, like, I got to I gotta turn it up a notch. I feel too good. You know, I feel like I was going to get all this credit for this fast when I wasn't really suffering, you know, at all. So I went and I actually trained that day. And it was just an incredible, uh, and it, just another incredible level of, of affirmation. It's like, holy shit, man, you're capable of more. You're capable of more. But how would I ever know if I didn't do it, you know? So I'm, I'm grateful for it for that, you know? That's amazing. I, I've, I, there's so many things. Like, I, I feel like I've done everything. And I've done liquid diets, but not a fast. I think, you know, I, uh, I did a liquid diet where you're, you're getting like six, 700 calories a day in, in protein type shakes. And that's not easy, but I, but I did it and I was fine. I think that, that the water fast is a whole other step. I don't know that I'm going to do that soon. I, I like have to try veganism for a month and carnivore for a month, but the water fast is definitely on there. And it seems like an amazing thing to do. And you've had such great results. What's your weight now? I'm uh, 229 as of this morning. That's amazing. That is yeah, amazing. Yeah, it's three, three days off, too. So I, my last day, my final weigh-in was 229. So I'm at that same weight. And I, and I attribute that to I went right back to keto, so I'm back on keto. And also, believe it or not, the electrolytes. Because if I was dehydrated at all, you know, the electrolytes remedied that. So I didn't put on a bunch of water weight you know, at the end of it. Right. Right. And are you? how much longer do you think you'll do keto? Well, here's the thing, you know. For me, you know, the weight is only one metric. It's, it's only the one aspect to the process. What I'm really paying attention to is uh, my function, my ability to perform. So right now I need, like I, I used an example before, my swim time, you know, improved. Um, my, uh, my, I'm doing a bunch of mobility stuff 
uh, that's improving. And I have metrics attached to all these other different things. So I'm basically going to do keto because I think it keeps me away from allowing food to be a distraction. But as far as where is the goal, the goal is in me being able to improve in all these other areas rather than use a weight on the scale to define me as, okay, I, I did it, you know? Sure. Because, you know, to me, that exists in a vacuum in my life. Like, I got, okay, you're at this weight. What can you do now? Like, because then what's the point of even getting to this weight? You know, um, very early on, it, it, it starts to, you know, and, and I think most people can relate to this. The process starts to be about, you know, impressing other people, sometimes getting validation from other people. But the the standards become external really quickly when we we just limit our progress to the scale. You know, so I, I try to anchor my my relationship with the journey with as many functional activities as possible. I let them tell me, you know, whether or not I'm improving. I totally agree. I think that and that's a great way to do it. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. For a long time, I was stuck just, you know, the, the scale was actually the acknowledgement of my hard work. And now it is just a tool to make sure like, hey, I've, I've reduced my calories again. Uh, do I need to reduce them some more? The scale will let me know if that's true or not, but, it, but I'm not doing what I'm doing so that I see a number on the scale. Does that make sense? No, it absolutely. Like I said, it's a metric and all metrics matter, you know, um, no pun intended with contemporary politics. Right? So, um, the, uh, the thing that, uh, that I'm always paying attention to one of the, the, the way that I expressed it to one of my students the other day is a metric is incomplete when you could do something that is destructive and still improve by that metric, you know? So uh, if I just wanted to lose weight, I could uh, start smoking meth. I could chop <laughs> off one of my legs. I could like this. There's a bunch of different things I could do. So the metric is incomplete, right? It, it doesn't belong uh, as the sort of, you know, on a pedestal type goal and mission metric, you know? And that's why I build more of like a holistic approach of all these different things you know, giving me a, a sort of 3D picture of my reality, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that's, a, that's the right way to do it. And that way we're not performing or building our life around the metrics. Right, right. You know, and I, I think you see people that go up and down. I've gone up and down. I know you've gone up and down. You've gone up and down at a level that I've never seen before, Ethan. Uh, but I will say. I mean, dude, I just try to be the best at everything I do. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, you are dominating some of those journeys. That's right. Um, <laughs> but for, the way I look at it is if you are an individual who is going to um, say that he's successful, you know, you, the, the one thing I look at is congruence. And if I say, okay, I'm going to do something at a, you know, uh, a master chim level, it's up to me to define the value of that verb or that adjective. It's like, if I'm somebody who like prior to me getting on this, the, you know, this physical journey that I'm on right now, if somebody said, oh, you know, he did that workout like master chim, uh, that would mean that he looked to make it all about power. He looked, he looked to, to make it in a way that made, a, made all the focus be on his strengths. 
there was no cardio endurance involved. Like it was such an inconsistent use or representation of who I was. So I think at the heart of it, if we're going to be congruent, I think this congruence is king. That is how we should look at our physical journey like any other journey. You know, you have the guys, we all have these friends that can eat whatever they want and have six packs and they can run 10 miles without, you know, while smoking a cigarette, you know, and they don't, they don't care. Well, the things that they do at that level, I'm looking at the other areas of their life and asking, you know, is it congruent? Because therein lies the value of an individual. You know, what have you done to, to sort of uh, to, to fill in those deficiencies, you know, to get rid of those weak spots? And, and I think that is what I try to focus on, you know? Yeah, that's really fascinating too. I think that, and that that makes a lot of sense, especially with diet. Look, honestly, the, the whole point of this is to talk about diet mostly, and 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 how people got to where they got, and and interesting. Honestly, it's, I I want to hear these things because I want to go like, can I take part of that? Can I use something from that? Is there something there that will work for me? And and most of the time there is, and I'm I'm gonna steal a little bit of it and use it. And I think that anything that we don't really examine thoroughly and and try to examine from other points of view and try to you know attack from other points of view ourselves rather than just going like this is the way uh i think there will be incongruencies there yeah and uh, what winds up happening you know I, I, an example of the point i'm going to make is when i finish the fast there were some people who weren't trying to say anything bad because like i did a nine-day fast like they had to show at least a modicum of respect but what you got was the oh yeah i would never do that i like my uh, i need my protein too much or you know i don't want to lose any muscle or you know that's cool you know i'm just not into that or or whatever validation that they weren't asked for but they they felt the need to throw out there right what it winds up being the, the way i see it is these people see an accomplishment, they see energy, they see uh, power coming out of this, this observed, you know, ritual. And immediately they use it as a sort of assessment on their own sense of self-worth. So in order to validate their identity, they comment on that thing because they have to sort of create a form that allows them to not feel any pressure by observing it. So one of the things that I like that you said just now is, you know, I, I might get something out of this. I'm going to steal it. I'm, I'm going to use it. If this, Well, I'm of the mindset that there is power everywhere. We just need to be comfortable enough with ourselves as individuals to be able to see it, internalize it, leverage it, and use it. So the more we create our standards from an internal sense of worth and, and validation and mission, the less likely we are to see all these examples externally of power and be triggered to all, all of a sudden start defending, you know, our, our, our level of self-confidence and, you know, seeing the, the woman who's, uh, you know, who's deadlifting more than me and me going, yeah, well, pff, her, her husband, you know, probably shoots steroids in her ass every morning or, or some other, you know, it's like, I feel intimidated that this woman deadlifts more than me. So I'm going to try and throw an insult out into the universe because it allows me to feel more secure. You know, if we could just get over that as individuals, there is power everywhere. Uh, yeah. I think that that's, that's, that's so radical too. And I think the first, I can't think of anything that I do even pretty good that I would go like, 
I'm done learning in that area. I think the the moment we kind of will shut ourselves down to progressing is when we assume that we've learned everything there is to learn about something or we know everything there is to know about something. So the minute that I'm critical of the way somebody's doing something, my first question is, what don't I know about that? You know? How, how, what can I learn from that? What, what are they doing that's helpful? And look, there's a lot of ridiculous people doing a lot of things that I find to be ridiculous. If it's working for them, then I'm happy. And I'm not saying that I'm just constantly taking, trying to find like, you know, I open up Instagram and every single person there who is attractive, I'm going like, how did they get there? Cause I don't really care all that much, but I do know when when somebody like yourself does something that I find to be radical and my initial reaction is, that's fucking crazy, if we're being <laughs> completely frank. My <laughs> next reaction is, I gotta, I gotta know more about this. What's going on? What is what how do how did it feel? What did you do? You know? Because right. because I think uh I think my the the, the thing that I value most is being able to learn about stuff and and being able to find out more stuff i think nuance is very interesting and when you when you go into any of this stuff looking for more reasons to understand it and we're shut if we're shut down to it and just go like no that's stupid i don't think we can actually ever learn about this i mean this is ultimately the biggest problem with politics yeah yeah no i agree and i think it it's an arrogance that's born out of insecurity. You know, that point where one goes from listening to somebody and then getting to the point where, no, that's, that's, that's stupid. You know, that's, that's the threshold of insecurity being crossed right there. It's like, okay, at this point, if I were to keep an open mind to what he's saying, I would be forced to review my own positions on, on life and, and all the things that matter to me. And I'm just not willing to do that. So I will just dismiss it as being stupid and, you know, it, it, it's arrogant. I think one of the things that probably helped me over these last few years develop a better relationship with this process is I do a lot of online coaching, a lot of, you know, performance coaching, uh, business um, uh, coaching and stuff. And when you're put in a position where this person is looking for you to help them significantly and they've given you a bunch of money, uh, I, I don't have the luxury, if I'm going to maintain my integrity at least, the luxury of just dismissing anything about this person. So I have to sort of, rather than observe them from afar, I have to find a way to sort of sit next to them as they narrate their story about why they do the things they do to try and get a better understanding. And when you you spend a bunch of reps doing that, you sort of understand that, okay, maybe I even had filters that was running subconsciously that was stopping me from understanding some of the preferences this this individual had and why he was pursuing them, you know, but taking the time to actually say, I'm going to help him regardless of what I think of him, you know, it, it opens some other observations, you know, and I think that repped out over years gave me the ability to not dismiss anybody nor anything because I know there's power everywhere. Yeah, I love that. I love how you put that. That's awesome. Well, Master Chim, we did it. We talked about we this fast. It. We fucking crushed it. We did, as we do, because we're crushers, Ethan. That's right. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Talk soon. Yeah, man. All right, brother. Now for some Q&A. 
I don't know who this question is from because the piece of paper that has been printed for me on doesn't have a name. But I'm going to read the question anyways. Here we go. My wife and I just started the South Beach diet, and so far it seems to be working really well. I've been doing some workout videos on beach body and daily burn while gyms are closed. I really want to learn more about nutrition and fitness. What is a good place to start? I have a lot of weight to lose and really want to look at this as more of a lifestyle change than a fad diet. I'm 39 years old and weigh over 400 pounds. Thanks in advance for any info you might share. Thank you for your question. I've done the South Beach diet. I like the South Beach diet. I think the first diet book I ever read was by a gal named Adele Davis. I can't remember what it was called, but I do remember reading at least one book by her, which I liked a lot. As of today, there are guys out there who have so much scientific knowledge on how the body loses weight and and I would recommend reading Mike Israetel's book, Renaissance Diet 2.0, or Lane Norton's book, I think it's Fat Loss for Life. Those two books are radical and they're super comprehensive and kind of can you can you can you can program any diet based on what those books say and the knowledge in those books. You can program the South South Beach diet um, off information you get out of those books. I mean, the only diets uh, that that would be maybe in stark contrast to the information in those books is diets like the Beverly Hills diet or, you know, the, the Hollywood diet, or I even heard recently that there's a, like a water diet. Um, that's not going to work. But any of the major diets, uh, keto, low fat, Atkins, um, veganism, vegetarianism, ketotarianism, you can do any of those diets and base them on the principles that you will learn in those guys' books and they will work smashingly. So those are my go-to dudes right now for information. I hope that was helpful. Thank you for your question. If you have a question you'd like me to read on the podcast, please submit it to AmericanGlutton.net. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee, and as always, joined by my chaperone, Paige Dorian. Follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely. <laughs> <laughs>